Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like what we're doing, rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. But more importantly, just tell somebody about the podcast. We'd really, really like that. Yes. Yes, we would. We would appreciate that. Check out all the other great shows as well. We've got a Pred show, the Gold Standard, Fringe Element, SEC Football, and of course, the 440 every single morning. So please check Look, I don't out. Look, I'm going to spend the whole time pimping other shows, but if you're concerned about the Predators, you should listen to the Gold Standard this week. I'm just saying. If you're a masochist like myself and Adam Vingan, the host on the show, <laughs> please check out the podcast. Gold Standard everywhere podcasts are found. Please rate, review, and subscribe. On the show today, Mark Binda going to join us, Senior Director of Programming at News Channel 5, based here in Nashville. He is the gentleman that, if you've heard his name on this show before, we use we get all of our television ratings for the market and for all the sports that are out there from Mark Binda. He's the one who sends out that email. He's been doing this job a very long time, look, working in the market for a very long time. And this week, Mark has forgotten more about television ratings, particularly in Nashville, than you and I will ever know. So a lot of ratings discussion on the show today with him. We're going to dive into the Super Bowls, how they stack up against each other this past Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55, as well as the Titans Super Bowl, how long we've been sort of tracking this stuff in this market and sort of the science behind the television ratings. So a lot of really interesting stuff, uh, really nuts and bolts uh, with, with, with Mark Binda coming up in just, just a few minutes. Of course, recommendations a little bit later on in the show. Uh, and we're going to spend some time this morning on, on our own here, Steve, you and I, discussing some of the dynamics at play in a Super Bowl broadcast because it, it is the biggest television show on any station in any market in any place in the world at any point during the year. So we're going to spend a little bit more time on this one item today than we normally would. But Lamestream is brought to you by Jaspers from the wonderful and amazing and spectacular folks at Four Top Hospitality. Three decades of experience serving fine cuisine to this city of Nashville comes Jasper's, the next evolution of the sports bar, elevated pub fare, if you will, Steve. From the Aaron front. was right. You do kind of like singe your arms out wide whenever you say Jasper's. It. It's like you're trying it, to hug it. It is exciting. Jasper's is an exciting place, and it is exciting to talk about Jasper's, and I am excited to do so, and so therefore I gyrate and I, you know, flop around a lot. Yeah. So Jasper's, come to Jasper's. Great food. Fantastic menu, great place to watch a game, 9,000 square feet, very, you know, you know, very smart, socially distanced place. Free parking. Free parking as well. Got a lot of vibes in there. Grab and go market. You got a sit down dining area. You got a bar with lots of televisions. You got a li library-ish kind of jam over there where you can play shuffleboard, which I think is the best bar, sports bar game, period, uh, out there in the market. And they've got a custom made one in front of a fireplace. So very cool stuff. Go check out Jasper's, of course. We appreciate them and, and love their food. I had all their food on Sunday. It was great. So awesome. All right. So speaking of the Super Bowl, and let's let's start, and we'll talk a little bit about this, uh, Steve, with Mark Binda. But let's break it down here. Did you bet the Super Bowl? I did. I did. Let's that's a good point. Let's start there because I placed like six wagers on Sunday morning. Now I did too. I, the only the only thing of mine that came in was the under on Tom Brady's yards. Okay. I, I bet that, and I made a little money on it, but my feeling was that the Chiefs were going to win. My hope was that the Chiefs were going to win. My money is now all gone. <laughs> See, I thought all of that too, but I, I always hedge. It's like, drafting, hedge. it's like drafting Phillies in fantasy leagues back in like the late 2000s, 2010s. Like I would draft <laughs> Chase Utley because I fucking hate him because I'm a Mets fan. <laughs> so I put $10 on the bucks on the money line because I was rooting openly for the chiefs <laughs> and that one cashed. So I got that one. I had $5 on a fat guy touchdown. Give me a break. I had the offensive line. Hit him in, hit him in the it. head. Hit him right in the hand. There's the reason. There's a reason why those guys are linemen and not receivers. That was plus eight hundred. Uh, I had the. I like to do the the silly ones for five dollars each. And yeah. it was. I had. I had Antonio Brown for five dollars catching a touchdown. That one cashed. I had Miko Hardman catching a touchdown. That one lost. I had the five dollar doink off of an upright just because I was like, this will be fun to watch special teams now. The the whole point it was to enjoy the game for different reasons because I had no desire to watch it because my Green Bay Packer fandom was still 
uh, like the, the wound was still very fresh and, and very painful. So I needed stuff to watch. And Haley was like, my wife was like, sure, this is fun. And then when the fat guy dropped the touchdown, my children looked at me like I was completely crazy because I was running around the house <laughs> screaming. I, but I, I made hate, money. I made money. So I hate watched the Super Bowl because I hate Tom Brady. Uh, I grew up a Dolphins fan. I my my loathing of the Patriots is deep, uh, even though I am no longer a Dolphins fan. Thank you, Jay Cutler. And so <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. That's what I was betting on. Even I even live bet it when the when the uh, bucks went up and the odds shifted and all of a sudden I could get the chiefs plus 8.5. So I put oh. like another 10, I put another 10 oh. bucks down because I was sitting there thinking there's no way that Pat Mahomes will not throw a touchdown pass. God, you are surely you are... to God. No, surely to God. <laughs> they're just giving me money at this point. They're giving me the chiefs at eight and a half points. And then and, and smartly, I didn't do that again when, they scored again, and all of a sudden, you could get the Chiefs like plus 17 and a half. Mm. And I was like, uh, I'm not going to throw even more money, good money after bad. So what's the what's the the line from the theme song of The Wire? Like, down in the hole. <laughs> like you, you were down there, buddy. <laughs> I was I was down there. You're chasing. You were chasing. That, that's a good point, though. I did place like six $5 bets, and I, and I won money on Sunday. But it was a ton of fun. I hate watching the Super Bowl also. And apparently Nashville did not. <laughs> the Super Bowl ratings for Super Bowl 55. Now, Mark's going to explain this a little bit more later on, but the we only started with these ratings in the late 90s, 1998, before the Titans got here. And so the Super Bowls that are rated are, uh, it's, 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 what is it, like 23 of them or so, something like that. Super Bowl 55 in Nashville pulled a 47.1, which is the 16th rated Super Bowl ever watched in Nashville. The Titans Super Bowl... Uh, Super Bowl 34 against the Rams, of course, was a 50.3, which is now currently, and I find this fascinating, largely due, I'm assuming, to the, the, the market size change over the last 20 years. The Titans Super Bowl is the ninth rated Super Bowl in the city of Nashville. All of the other ones, of course, have come after the Titans Rams Super Bowl. So almost due exclusively to market size, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's that, that's growth of market size. Now, nationally, the number was the lowest since the, since the 07 Super Bowl, which was Bears Colts. The number nationally was a 38.2, and the, the next lowest one was a 36 for Super Bowl three in 1969. Wow! And I mean, I mean I, that that's not a surprise, you know. Bad game, pandemic, bad, ga- bad halftime show, bad just. People hate Tom Brady. So let's so let's talk about that halftime show for a second. Well, let, let me let me get a couple other uh, nuggets here with the, with okay, the Super Bowls okay. in town. The top two Super Bowls in Nashville history, a fifty-eight point one and a fifty-four point seven, involve the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers in Super Bowl fifty, and the New Orleans Saints and the Peyton Indianapolis Manning. Colts in in Super Bowl forty-four. Both of which had Peyton Manning in the lineup. So the number one and two most watched Super Bowls in the city of Nashville are Peyton Manning. There's no, that's not, that's not a coincidence. So no, not at all. If there were a Tennessee quarterback who were in the Super Bowl right now, they wouldn't have the same drawing power as Peyton Manning though. So, so so let's say for instance, that's that's true. I mean, Peyton was just such an outsized, such an outsized draw from the, literally from the moment that he, that he signed with the, with the school. I I don't, I just don't think we're ever going to see anything like that again. Like, let's say Joe Burrow had gone to Tennessee and won a national title and then gets gets the Bengals, still sort of in this part of the country, sort of like the Colts, into the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl. If, if Joe Burrow's a national champion from Tennessee, you don't think that has – I mean, listen, I know there's a, a extracurriculars here with Manning, right? The last name and, and all that stuff. The time, well, and, and, the time think that he came it, up, you know, was different. Think about it, too. Like, by the time that, by the time that Peyton Manning got to a Super Bowl – he was he was already a television star, not for his football. I mean, he, he was already a, a an experienced commercial pitch man. had had was on almost every Sunday in Cut some that meat. Cut that meat. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he he'd been doing so. Much. He was always in front of you. Yeah. In a way that Pat Mahomes is Pat, Pat Patrick Mahomes uh, is right now as a young quarterback. And no, and no, and nobody else kind of uh, who's who's twenty five and in the NFL is. And, and he also 
played twice in the division once every year in Nashville. Yeah. Right? So like you put all of these factors together and there was just an obsession with Peyton Manning and, and rightly so like it's, this is not rocket science here. We're not reinventing the wheel. So, all right, let's, let's the halftime show. I, I am curious about halftime shows. My first takeaway was just that it didn't, I don't know if the weekends, I like the weekends music. I don't know if it filled the, the space of the halftime show for the Super Bowl, the gravitas, the size, the scope that you need. You need to be an entertainer and also have huge hits, also have name recognition and ID. I just don't know if he kind of checks all those boxes, and I think that's maybe why it was received fairly poorly. I don't know. What do you think? So, so Super Bowl shows have done kind of a weird evolution. I mean, if you go back and look at the 80s, like in, in 87, they had <laughs> – I mean, the, the halftime show was Mickey Rooney and George Burns and the Grambling State Band. <laughs> I mean, it, they they were they were just they were just such throwaway sort of things. Then they started they started booking big acts in in the '90s, but they did it in these weird things. They did it in these theme shows, like like in '97 was was the Blues Brothers Bash, and so they had they had Aykroyd and John Goodman and Jim Belushi with ZZ Top and James Brown. I mean, it was just it was just all sorts of sort of weird stuff. It wasn't really until the the mid aughts that they got rid of themes and they started just they just started going straight power for it with in terms of the artists. What, what's so, fascinating is the Michael Jackson halftime show from 93, January of 93, which, you know, like, again, he's he's doing Billie Jean, Black or White, We Are the World, like all these songs. And I that to me, it seems odd that they didn't learn from that one. Right. And go to it earlier because the very next year they did, you know, Rockin' Country Sunday with like Travis Tritt and Clint Black and the Judds, like <laughs> Indiana I mean, Jones it, the next year after that. You're right. It was all themed. Now, Diana Ross was the in 96. Diana Ross was the big lead. I think that's a pretty big name. That's a that, pretty that, big that was a big name. So, so in the late aughts, they start going. It, it It's for the most part, just just straight boomer rock. There was a print show in there, by the way undisputedly the best Super Bowl halftime show ever. Yeah. I will I will take no I will take no arguments against this. <laughs> but you you do you would do like McCartney and the Stones and Tom Petty and Springsteen. And then really it's been the last few years that they've been trying to go who is the who is the biggest pop act, biggest recent pop act that has sort of the most hits that they can put together. And sometimes they've had to cobble them together. Coldplay was on there in, in 16 with a lot of guests. Lady Gaga in 17 didn't have any guests. Uh, and then uh, she, she doesn't need any guests. Right. Now, Coldplay needs some, but it was Beyonce and Bruno Mars. Like, right. Like, those are but, pretty big guests. And, and like, like Maroon 5 comes out and does oh, Maroon comes out and 5 comes out in Atlanta with Big Boy. I mean, I think we were all just kind of wanting just give us the give us just, the goddamn Outcast reunion. Yes. Don't, the best three and a half minutes of that Super Bowl halftime show was Big Boy. Right. Right. <laughs> like, I, I, like, especially with Atlanta being where it is, like the cultural, one of the southern cultural epicenters of hip hop music. Like, give me all of those guys. Like, if you would have done Outcast Reunion with Big Boy and Travis Scott and Run the Jewels, and like, you could have done something really spectacular. But again, the, I, the most interesting thing to me is to have the biggest kind of pop acts that you can find in this show, none of them get paid. For them, it is all marketing. You know, they get a marketing budget to put to, to put the show on, but they're not actually getting paid. As a matter of fact, there was a report out this week that the weekend didn't have enough have a budget to do what he wanted to do. So he put seven million dollars of his own money in in order to to put on the show that he wanted to put on. Now you could say it was successful or not successful. I liked it. I didn't think it was great. But Monday morning on all the streaming services. You know, the the weekend had like eight of the top ten songs on those services. Yeah. I mean, it was from from his point of view, it put him in front of more people. Oh yeah, a, a bigger audience than he was ever going to get at one time. It was it was a no brainer to do it for seven million dollars of your own money on the third lowest rated Super Bowl of all time. You still become one of the highest streamed artists the very very next day. 
Like, yeah. like it doesn't even matter. Like to those of us who are watching, we we critique the performance, we critique his dance moves, we critique the stage setup and the how big was it? Did it fill the space? Was it good? Did Shakira shake her ass too much? Like we 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 critique all these things from our perspective. The answer to that is no. No, <laughs> it's a good good point. <laughs> we critique all these things from like a viewership standpoint. The weekend could could not care less, <laughs> probably right. about any of that stuff because he's spending seven million dollars to put himself in front of hundreds of millions of people, and, and frankly. If all you got out of your $7 million is a five-second meme of a guy looking completely distraught in a house of mirrors behind the scenes that's going to be used for 30 years on the internet as a meme, it might be worth the money, frankly. I, I would spend that money for, for one of those. Oh, absolutely. And, and think about it. I mean, if you were going to buy a Super Bowl spot, $7 million is going to get you 45 seconds, a minute. I mean, it's yeah. it's not it, – it, you can't spend that kind of money and get that kind of exposure like he did. So, I mean, it's a good deal for him. I didn't think it was that bad of a show. Some people, I mean, some people just hated it. But I, I, the thing is, I like I like his music. If I didn't like his music, I could see how you could hate it. I like his music, so I sort of like dealt with it. <laughs> if that if that makes sense, I didn't. He he doesn't have the entertainment quality to me. Like I wanted to be sitting, you know, sitting at the Ryman listening to him like sing would and and dance like would be fun. It would be so much fun to have him in a more intimate setting. I just don't think it, his music and his, frankly, I, again, I'm not a dance expert here, but you have to sort of be an entertainer. Bruno Mars, entertainer, Beyonce, Justin Timberlake, like the Madonna, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry. I don't like Katy Perry's music, but everyone remembers her flying through the air. That, you that know? Katy Perry like, show was great. I mean, hey, the Lady Gaga show. I'm not a huge Gaga fan, but that show, I yes, mean, the yes. lady puts on a show, <laughs> capital S show. Yes, she does. Uh, all right. Before we get to Mark Binda here coming up from News Channel 5 um, to talk about sort of ratings and television ratings and how it all works in the city of Nashville. Last thing here, just from an editorial standpoint on the Super Bowl itself, I am curious, like every time I see Tyreek Hill, I have like a visceral reaction <laughs> because I, I, you know, I may never personally give Tyreek Hill a second chance. If you don't know, go read the backstory. He's done some really awful stuff to his pregnant girlfriend and his children. And it's just it's just bad. He's a bad guy. I, I personally don't, I can choose to not give him a second chance. I don't think they need to be mentioning all of that during the broadcast every time he catches a pass. Like I it's, mean, in the, it's in the past. Tyree Kill, yeah, Tyree Kill's been litigated. But it doesn't affect the game, right? So to me, it would be gratuitous to sort of bring it into the, into the broadcast with Romo and Nance. But I do, I do think the car accident with an assistant coach on the Kansas City Chiefs. Who is the son of the head coach who is the son of the head coach who put a child into the hospital, who was in care in the hospital during the Super Bowl, that not only affects the mental state, which Patrick Mahomes acknowledged, man, this is, you know, this has been tough to deal with. We've had to deal with it. Not only is it a, have a, does it have a mental impact on the team, on the field, it also has a, an impact on the coaching staff because a coach is gone. I was shocked that it was not brought into the broadcast a lot more. I thought they mentioned it like one time with like two minutes to go. And I think that's a mistake. I think you have to bring that story into the... I know people are tired of bad stories, but I I don't know how that's not a bigger story inside the game itself. I'm not shocked that they buried it because the the league and the league's partners are very sort of aware of that sort of thing. And they don't... They do not like dealing with it. So, no, I'm not shocked that they, that they avoided the subject until... They had nothing left to talk about because it was a blowout game in the fourth quarter. I am, and, and it was a one-liner. It was like a one-liner, like oh, yeah. and and we're thinking about blah 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 blah. And it's like, wait a second. Yeah. Th this I, this you just told us that Patrick Mahomes has been distracted all week. What are you talking about? Yeah. Of a pretty good broadcast, that was the the poorest part of it. Was that was that they didn't have this seemingly big story to deal with at any point in the, they should have dealt with it at least somewhere in ideally like in pregame, but in like the first half of the broadcast, I mean, and I get that those things are kind of hard to work in, but it's a big telecast. And these, this is your best crew. You got to figure out a way to do it. And you got to figure out a way to do it in more than, you know, 15 words. I, and I think to your point, it's a good, I think if I'm the producer, the executive producer of the show, you have to make it like an intentional, not even maybe scripted. I don't know. But yeah. There has to be like an intentional acknowledgement of the story, not just sort of like a, you can't have Romo like working it into the back end of like a blitz analysis, but, but there has to be like a moment where you acknowledge that not only is the team distracted, but the Kansas city chiefs are missing a coach. And also there's these human, there's a human element to this where like children and families are struggling through this. 
I, I think you had to script it in the first half. By the way, alcohol may have been involved. Right. It's it again. Yeah. You don't want to make it too salacious in like the the lead. I just think that you. I'm with you. You 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 set it up to intentionally cover it in the first half, maybe in the first quarter even, and and you plan around it working. Maybe you come back from break a little early with like a 20 second hit where you, you know, show the story and you have a quote from Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like Andy Reid's got a lot of history, you know, with family and stuff. It's that's pretty tragic. And so, I, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was the wrong move to to not bring it into the broadcast at least in some way, shape, or form in a more sub- substantive way, I guess. And yeah, guess it's, a, it's, a, it's a definite miss. And it's, and it's really the only black mark on that, on that telecast. I mean, yep. I, I thought Nance and Romo did a really, really good job on the game proper. I, the one the, this is a really meaningless critique here. So I'm <laughs> clearing my throat. The, the fact that one of the times at the end of the game where Romo's like, well, I, I don't, you know, get, getting to seven, Mahomes could have done it, but I don't know if he's going to get to eight to, to match Tom Brady. And I'm going, you just gave Patrick Mahomes six Super Bowls, Tony Romo. <laughs> like, you can't do that. <laughs> I, yeah. The, the one thing I'm glad about with the Super Bowl is that it's over because I don't have to hear any more sort of, you know, young challenger to Brady versus Brady oh, yeah. kind of garbage. Well, it sounds like uh, Brady did take a loss on uh, Thursday or on Wednesday, excuse me. I believe tequila uh, won for Tom Brady, nothing. on 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 the boat party on wednesday i don't know i don't know if you saw i don't know if you saw tumbling off the boat uh the sea legs weren't aren't what they used to be for old tommy boys well he'd been in he'd been in he'd been in in isolation for two weeks beforehand and i think he what was the report that he sent his family away for 12 days in order to concentrate on the game so these guys had a little he had a little let loose on yeah and he's been drinking kale smoothies for you know 11 months (laughs) That's a little. That's a bit of a harsh pivot. Yeah, whew, brutal. Tequila will do that to you, man. It'll do that to you. He looked like he was having a good time flexing on everybody, though. So it is what it is. I'm with you. I hate the guy. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, it, it, it. Let's let's move on. Uh, we'll have recommendations coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, however, l- without any more conversation from yourself or myself, Steve, this is our talk with programming director from News Channel Five, Mark Binda. Blamestream is brought to you by Jaspers from the amazing folks at Four Top Hospitality who have brought you Amerigo, Etch, etc. Char, Saltine, a very trusted name in Nashville cuisine for over three decades comes the next evolution of the sports bar. Jaspers, Deb Paquette menu, smart menu. They also did the game day party packs, which really hit the spot for my family over the weekend watching the big game. So uh, love this place. 9,000 square feet. All kinds of great stuff. Free parking. Have we talked about the free parking? It's an enjoyable, safe place to watch a game. to To have to have a good time out it, right now is is something which is I don't want to I don't want to put too go. fine a point on this, but some right. people some people are handling the distancing and the and taking uh, taking the virus with the seriousness that it needs to. Some people are not. No. Very pleased with how the people at Jasper's have been handling the uh, have been handling the all of the restrictions and the inevitable problems that come with COVID. And when you've got a grab and go market, when you've got a game room, when you've got a patio, when you've got a giant bar, when you've got an actual dining room, and when you've got like a little library loungy place where there's shuffleboard and a fireplace and TVs, there's plenty of space to be responsible and enjoy a cocktail. Which, by the way. The Gold Standard, our Predators podcast, has a cocktail, a whiskey drink. Go get one. We're still working on what a lamestream cocktail would look like or taste like or sound like. We're going to have to workshop that one for a while. Yeah, yeah, we're going to go back to the drawing board on the name of the show, maybe, to get get a cocktail. (laughs) Um, But free parking, totally safe. And again, the food, this is not your average place to get food, okay? Like if you want to watch a sporting event and eat high quality food, just fantastic. I'm a big fan. We we had uh, we had done a big selection from Jasper's last week. They've got this sweet potato fry uh, waffle fries dish with layered with pulled pork over the top, and then kind of a drizzle of like barbecue sauce and aioli, and it's just it was just fantastic. It's the kind of thing that I that I that I want to sit down when I watch a game, when I watch a program. It's better. It's better sports food for you. 
And well, I shouldn't say for you. None of it, none of it's particularly <laughs> healthy, but uh, that's irrelevant. Damn, it's delicious. It's irrelevant. So here's the thing: like we, so we got the wings, the queso, the barbecue pork sliders, and a bunch of cookies. And Megan Williams is fantastic, by the way, the pastry chef. Um, just does a sp- spectacular job. By the way, you can order cookies right now for Valentine's Day. So you got to go put that in right now. So go get some cookies for Valentine's Day, uh, which I believe is coming up this weekend. I think I don't care about that holiday, but go order some cookies from Jasper's. We're both married. That holiday is irrelevant to us. And God bless my wife. She's been on board with this with me from the beginning. This marketer's holiday that's been created out of thin air. Same here. It's it's it was one of the reasons we are married. (laughs) Exactly. So I wanted to here's the thing about this fantastic uh, spread we had during the big game. The sauces. My daughters are all about the sauces. My wife's about the sauces. I think the sauces were fantastic. We had, there, there was an avocado ranch with a little spice to it that was just fantastic. There was a mango firecracker sauce that essentially is like a, a sweet buffalo spicy sauce for wings. Oh, that was so good. little uh, citrus, little heat. Yes, exactly. On the pulled pork, there was an ancho cherry barbecue sauce that I literally have been dipping everything in my kitchen for a week into. <laughs> since we got it the sauce is to put that back in the fridge that's not safe if you leave it out yeah it's been yes yes it's been refrigerated after opening <laughs> <laughs> no question about that and uh man it was just like all the sauces it, there were so many sauces it was great it was great so they don't they don't they don't leave any stone unturned at jasper's did we mention the free parking there because there is, we should definitely mention the free parking there's free parking at jasper's or, nashvillians or, hate to walk <laughs> you don't have to walk far the lot's right next door so we remember how we workshopped some new, um, I don't know, taglines for Jasper's? We did. I, I think, what do you think of the one that Aaron Dugan from the Fringe Element came up with? Jasper's, it's an entire vibe. What do you think? It's, it's getting there. A little more time in the shop. Okay. Getting close. I'll tell Aaron Get- you said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks I like for listening, it. Aaron. I, I like it. All right, Jasper's on West End. The next evolution of the sports bar, Lamestream Sports, is brought to you by Jaspers. Mark, first of all, thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time. We, we do appreciate your insight today on the show. And we just had the Super Bowl. And one of the things that you have a very interesting perspective on is just sort of the interest level in sports in general in this town. And we'll get to a lot of different topics, but let's start right there with the Super Bowl. And Super Bowl 55... Not exactly one of the highest rated Super Bowls in the city of Nashville, is it? No. Um, amongst all Super Bowls, I think it was 16th. You know, we've only had ratings in Nashville since 1998. So we haven't, you know, we don't have ratings for, you know, the Cowboys and the Raiders from, you know, like 30, 40 years ago. So I think the first Super Bowl we actually have is Atlanta and um, Denver, which was 98. And so it did not do well. I mean, it was, I think, part of it, two things. One, bad game. I, I was considering switching over to Honeymooners rerun by the third quarter. <laughs> and um, the other thing is, is streaming has become such a big deal now. I saw a statistic that the Super Bowl was the most streamed, live streamed event in history. I forget the exact number if I can find it later in this conversation i will but it means millions of people are 14 million 15 million people streaming the game and so if you're streaming the game you're not necessarily watching broadcast and uh so that that's going to take a chunk out of us uh, the right the ratings before we get to any more of the super bowl stuff can you give give everybody a, a re i'm obviously i'm assuming it's tied to market size but kind of give everybody some background on why it took so long for for television ratings to come to Nashville and maybe give people a little bit of a sense as, as to how that all works how i mean i'm very familiar with the radio game but maybe explain to people how the the tv rating system works for everybody yeah well for you know forever from the 1950s to until 1997 the way tv ratings were done was by filling out a diary people would get a diary on a thursday uh, would write down what they were watching, um, and then would mail it back on Wednesday. So you get the diary for a week. And probably, you know, when there were three TV networks in the, in the city, or you know, maybe there were five stations total, that kind of worked. But you know, as people got you know cable and you know the choice of 250 channels, nobody's going to fill out a diary anymore. Um, kids weren't going to fill it out. It so it became basically something that housewives filled out. People. Uh, elderly people who had a lot of time would fill it out. And so it just became a real antiquated system. Starting in 1997, Nielsen put in what they call set meters. 
in about 500 households in Nashville. And when I say Nashville, I'm talking about the Nashville TV market. You should tell people kind of what the scope of the DMA is. Yeah, it's it's really big. We have one of the largest DMAs in terms of geography. We uh, cover as far out to Cookville and uh, like Sparta, so to the east. We actually get up into Kentucky. So not as, you know, Bowling Green is its own TV market, but we get to that, that southwest corner of, of Kentucky. So um, Hopkinsville, in that area, Trigg County, Cadiz. Going out west, we get to like Paris. That would probably be the furthest west we go. And then we get right down to the Alabama line. So, you know, Pulaski, Lawrenceburg, um, those kind of cities. So it's, it's a big area and it makes it hard to cover for news too, because it is so big. Yeah. And you've got 49, 49 counties in our coverage area. And you're saying that when we started measuring in a more sophisticated way, we had 500 households trying to measure 50 counties, basically. Yeah, yeah, and and it is done in somewhat of a methodical way. So, if Davidson County is 26 percent of of that population, then 26 percent of the meters would be in Davidson County, and and they wait for age and gender and, and ethnicity. But now it's constantly changing. It seems like every day, not every day, but like every couple of weeks, Nielsen comes up with a new method to to measure viewing. So now we have, because you guys have the radio people meters, right? And I, is that the right terminology, PPMs or whatever? Yeah, I, I think that's correct, yeah. Yeah, so it was last year or two years ago that Nielsen folded the radio meters into the TV uh, universe. So we have, it's like a Frankenstein monster. We have one set of people who have the set meters and the set meters only know that the TV's on, and somebody in the household's watching, but they don't know who's watching. And then you've got these radio people meters, which you guys know more about than I do, but it's basically a device you wear on your person and it picks up audio signals. And for the first time then, the nice thing about it was able to pick out stuff in sports bars. So we always, you know, we could see numbers going up like on Titans games and things like that on ratings because now sports bars are being included. What has never been included been rated until they'll start doing this in April. Nielsen's term is called broadband only homes. And these are the homes that don't have a traditional TV. Um, they don't get TV over the air. They don't get TV via Comcast or direct TV. These are people who are watching TV, um, you know, through a, a Roku device, or they get their TV through CBS All Access or one of those uh, streaming services yeah that's us we 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 ditched our we ditched our box a year and a half two years ago now and haven't looked back yeah but do you are you able to access the over-the-air channels or do you get them through some other method uh so i get them through uh, so i get them through uh youtube tv okay so that's that's called then you'd be considered a bbo home okay you know there are people who have might subscribe to netflix but still get over the antenna on an antenna get two, four, five, 17, those people would still be measured in the traditional way. But your household, you would be part of this new thing that will now be put into the ratings in April. And, you know, that's going to probably hurt. I know it's going to hurt broadcast television because a lot of those people like yourself who have those devices are watching a lot of Netflix, watching a lot of uh, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Disney Plus, HBO Max. Every day you turn around and there's a new streaming service. Including, including, we should point out Paramount Plus, yes, coming Paramount to Plus. a uh, coming to a to CBS affiliate near you. Yes. So, what is the you're talking about measuring things in a different way, a more sophisticated way, which is a great thing, just in general, because we have a more accurate picture of the market, which is good. Right. But how then do television networks, broadcast or otherwise, then take advantage of of that advanced technology to sort of get into the space in a smarter way? What's the play there? Well, I think we're all still struggling with that a little bit. I mean, it's nice that Nielsen's finally going to catch up to some extent that, you know, if you're watching CBS via uh, a streaming device or over the air or cable network that, you know, they're going to be able to cum all those people into one one rating. And actually, they're not even looking, the futures are not even looking at ratings anymore. They're looking at total impressions so just total number of eyeballs. So that's that's really the future. It's it's good in a way because that's the way the world is, not this hybrid thing that Nielsen's had. What's scary for us though is there's not one system. So Nielsen has the the household meters, the radio people meters. They still use some of the national 
TV households into the system. So I call it the Frankenstein monster. It'd be nice if there was one way they measured everybody. And then what they'll do coming to a theater near you is Nielsen's competitor, Comcast, not Comcast, Comscore, uh, which I don't really want to get into, but Comscore is another service out there. And the way they get their ratings is that anybody who's got a cable or satellite box. So if you've got a dish TV in your home or Comcast, you've got a set top box that sits on top of the TV. Comscore actually gets ratings from that those boxes. So the nice thing for Comscore, and Nielsen is going to do this soon too, is that it's not going to be 500 homes anymore, 1,000 homes. They're going to be able to measure all 50,000 people, who 50,000 homes that have Comcast or 100,000 homes that have direct TV. So it's going to be a much more universal system. So that, that'll be good. But all the streamers that are out there, like YouTube TV or Hulu Live or or whomever that are having, I mean, I, I picked mine because I have local channels. So, so right. if I, when five o'clock comes on at five o'clock, the news comes on, I, I've usually got that on there while we're, we start cooking dinner, but they have all of this data uh, about their viewers. Is any of that available to you as a, as a Nashville, as a Nashville programmer, or, or is that going to be amalgamated somewhere into a bigger national number or, or, or a market number? You know, that's a good question. I, I assume that through, um, you know, it's not exactly what you're talking about, but, you know, when we're streaming, you know, our OTT programming that we stream our news, I'm sure we get that kind of data. What I'm not 100% sure on is like, if you're watching Channel 5 News tonight at five o'clock on your streaming device, you're, you're seeing our commercials. So you're seeing, you know, Bart Durham or whoever right. it is. I, I, could, I could sing the Steiger Green and Finer uh, yeah. jingle here for you. What I don't think happens right now is we don't get any credit for that because it's a, a different stream. I think once Nielsen gets their act together, all that'll be amalgamated. So our numbers should be better. It's hard for me to talk about because it keeps changing, you know, and, and Nielsen will say they're going to do this and then delay it. And, um, you know, the <laughs> pandemic certainly wasn't help because they can't get into a lot of households right now. To, if you've got a household, a set meter device, and it's gone it needs to be fixed or something nielsen can't go into your house because of the pandemic so there's a lot of households right now that probably are wired to nielsen where this meter isn't working at this point so it's kind of crazy super super um let's go back to the super bowl and i think what's interesting and you sent this out in your email is that the titans Rams super bowl super bowl 34 what is the ninth most watched game in nashville in super bowl history and we'll get to the top two in just a second but, you know, obviously the, the market growth is a huge part of this. The newness of the team. Is it surprising to you that so many games have beaten that Titans number? And, and how big was that number at the time relative to almost any other programming we'd ever seen in the market? At the time, it was, you know, obviously the number one program. What was interesting, three years later, the AFC championship game against the Raiders actually did better than that, than that, uh, that <laughs> Super Bowl. And we've had a couple of playoff games like that that have done, you know, pretty good numbers. I, I, you know, I think this, as we've gone, as years have passed, the Super Bowl, just everything, every year, it seems to just get more of a national holiday feel. I think the halftime shows have gotten a lot more publicity, not necessarily not gotten better, but they certainly got a lot more publicity in the last 10 years. You're not a big weekend guy? I'm not a, I'm 60, so I'm 59. So I'm not a big <laughs> fan of most of these groups. I, you know, I, it took me a while to figure out the weekend didn't have an E, which just don't know really his music so much. So, um, but that's fine. But no, I just think it's, you know, the Super Bowl has just become much more of a national institution. The, the other networks lay down and do nothing against it. So it just becomes the only game in town. You well, know, certainly since sports betting became legal here, too. It's amazing. It's probably, you know, I don't know if it's the number one category of advertising in TV right now, but it's pretty close. It's just amazing what FanDuel and, and you know, these guys have spent. So the top two highest rated shows in Nashville history? Are have what in common? They have Peyton Manning in common. <laughs> so the top two Super Bowls were his final game, uh, the game uh, Denver Carolina, and then the other one I can't remember was it was it the Peyton where they beat the beat the Bears I think, or was it the one where he lost to the Saints? I, it was one of Saints. those two. Yeah, um, and and Peyton it was you know amazing. Um, 
for all those years he was with the Colts, whenever we couldn't air a Titans game, we always defaulted to a Colts game because the Colts ratings are always going to be good. And then it switched when he went to Denver. That was always our default choice if the Titans weren't an option for CBS. What's that default like now? So, so as the Titans, if the Titans get you know three or four primetime games in a year because they're because they're a they're a playoff team, and you're having to fill in at you know Sunday at twelve o'clock, what's what's your choice going to look like? I probably you know, take a look, you know, because we don't have that low, you know, we don't have that Peyton factor anymore. It's kind of like just looking at what the hot team is or the hot marquee matchup. If, you know, we'll probably most times go with whatever the Nance Romo game is, but occasionally we'll switch. Like if it's um, let's say the Titans or are fighting with the Texans for playoff berth and the Titans are playing on Monday night and we have a choice to take the Texans game, we'd probably take the Texans, unless they're playing like Jacksonville and Jacksonville stinks. But if there's a good Texans-Colts game, for instance, we might take that. I'm always fascinated to look at the, to to look at the national coverage maps uh, every week and, and see where the pockets are of playing to a local player uh who's who's not there like i mean the classic example was south mississippi whenever brett Favre was was playing for the for the packers and it was all you know it would be it would be programmed for whatever the packers game was no matter no matter even if the saints were playing they were they were always going to have the packers and you know cbs sometimes will just make a decision for you and 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 not take into consideration um you know let's just make this up they're going to send us kansas city versus denver and, you know, it's Colts are playing Texans and, and, and that might be the better game for us sometimes. And, you know, we, we, there's been occasions where we've argued to get a different game. Sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. How early in the week do you have to put those th- those requests in? It's pretty early. So it's a t- it's 12 days ahead of time. So it's the Monday before t- Monday oh, wow. before two Sundays. So so like on the 10th, if it's the game is going to be on the 14th, you know, they'll start asking us on the 4th. I know what, right. what we want to do. And sometimes it, it goes down to a six-day uh, change. If, if CBS is waiting to see who's really hot and, you know, if there's a key Monday night game or key Thursday night game, they want to see how it turns out. Over time, I'm, I'm fascinated with how the market has evolved over time because we were such a college, probably uh-huh. college football market for the better part of 100 years, let's say. <laughs> and, yes. then, and then we became very much a professional market. And now 20 plus years later, it, it, we're sort of this mixture of everything. But certainly the NFL is the biggest dog on the block and always will be. I, I'm just, I'm curious how you would prioritize interest in the market. You, you know, in, in 2000, when the Titans took over, let's just say that the NFL is number one. But after the NFL, how do you prioritize what is the best draw, the most interesting thing to Nashville sports fans in 2000 versus 2020? How do, the, do those lists change? Yeah. Are they still the same? What, what do those two lists look like? Well, I, I think if you go back 20 years, NASCAR was huge. You know, I think there was no question. 20 years that, ago, you know, CBS had part of that package too, didn't Yeah. They? Yeah, we had the Daytona 500 every year for a while, and we had the like the Texas 500. We had four or five big races. We had the Talladega usually in July, so and that was clearly big. And I don't know if it's because the drivers have changed. I mean, obviously Dale Earnhardt was huge back then. College football was was really big, and you know, college football. It's interesting Tennessee because Tennessee has been Tennessee not that good lately. <laughs> Alabama draws almost as good a rating as Tennessee does um, just because Alabama is so good every year. And, you know, and they usually play, you know, they play that AFC, uh, not AFC West, the SEC West. So they're usually marquee games. And those Alabama games most weeks will do as well as a Tennessee game. And the Tennessee game will do a little bit better, but it's not not night and day. Um, so back into, you know, back in 2000, I'd say it was NFL, NASCAR, college. NBA was big. I mean, you know, uh, I guess that was sort of the end of Jordan's run or maybe. um, So NBA, he was huge still. Baseball has never been big in this market, really. Um, You know, they they get some draw for the playoffs, but by and large, baseball's never been big. Nowadays, college, you know, the March Madness is still big. Uh, Regular season games just don't do do that much anymore a Kentucky game will pop a number every now and then here which is kind of interesting that you know even though they're five and 12 or whatever they are now Kentucky will still be a draw the worst days I've ever had as a broadcaster other than 
Janet Jackson <laughs> was, is anytime CBS cut away from a Kentucky game. So when CBS had the whole <laughs> March Madness tournament, you know, when we didn't share the games with TBS and we'd have a Kentucky game and it was those great Patino teams or Tubby teams and CBS would say, oh God, it's, you know, Kentucky's up by 40 over the sisters of the poor and they'd switch to another game. The phones would light up. These people go crazy, you know, for Kentucky. <laughs> there was a Valentine's Day back 20 years ago or so where Kentucky was playing, I don't know who it was, but they were winning by 40 or whatever it was. And CBS switched to like something else and 500 calls to the station. It was nuts. It was crazy. <laughs> Big Blue um, Nation, man. Big Blue Nation doesn't, they don't mess around. Part of, I think one of the things is that's hurt sports ratings a little bit. I mean, it's great for, you know, sports fans, but there's just so much of it now. You, on a Saturday, you know, during football season, there's games on ABC, Fox, NBC, if there's a Notre Dame game. CBS, ESPN, ESPN2, CBS Sports Network, you know, you've got your choice of eight games at any time. And it's even worse for college basketball. I mean, it's hard now for a college basketball game to do more than a two household rating, unless it's Tennessee or Kentucky, you know. So how have the Preds factored into all of that, you know, hierarchy of interest? Yeah, the hard thing for me on Preds is their games air on the Fox uh, Fox Sports, whatever it's called. Uh, well, it used to be Fox Sports South. Now it's, what is it, Fox Tennessee or something? Soon to be Bally's, <laughs> Bally's. something. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the ones that's getting folded in. Okay. They don't provide individual game ratings. Uh, what they do is I, they'll just show a column. So it'll just, you know, be 6 a.m., 6.15 a.m., 6.30 a.m. There's no way to like call up, hey, I want a ranking of all the shows that ran on the on the Fox Sports Network because it does they don't break anything out by program, which is why I don't really I have a hard time putting the Predators on anything because I don't get them in my rankings unless they show up on the NBC Sports Network or you know during the playoffs if they're on NBC. Now during the playoffs I will actually go in and calculate those numbers just because I'm curious. Uh, but I'm not going to do that on a on a regular season basis. It's just too much work. Where, you know? where does the where does a big time playoff game match up with March Madness with a Tennessee Volunteer football game with, you know, baseball playoff games just sort of give us the the best that all the other sports have to offer. Where, where does the best that the Predators have to offer fall into that? That, as far as your your guess goes look for you know when they did that stanley cup run the the numbers were amazing i mean when they went to the finals against pittsburgh the numbers were just huge i mean you know you're talking high 20 ratings close to 30s you know as they've tailed off in the last couple of years you know the numbers have been good but not huge so uh i don't have anything in front of me right now but i'd say you know a, a preds playoff game right now in Stanley cup would probably be equal to, um, you know, like opening rounds, uh, you know, the first couple rounds of March madness, maybe commensurate with, a like, a maybe not an Alabama to Tennessee game, but maybe like, um, Auburn versus Georgia, Florida versus Texas A&M, you know, that kind of with, with March madness coming up, do you guys have any, can you put requests in, uh, are the things which come into, to CBS network, in this region preordained from above yeah it's it's a national feed so you know cbs gets uh its share of games and then the other ones are doled out to true tnt and tbs so yeah we have we'd love to have the option i mean because a couple of the years that uh, like belmont was in the tournament or uh, mtsu beat michigan state a couple years ago those were on cable we never got a shot at them before when it was all cbs you know was every game was on cbs then yeah we had a choice of which which game we wanted to be the primary game running in in Nashville? I, I'm surprised that they haven't let uh, haven't let stations do local option, even if it's if even if it's a repeat on one of their one of their cable networks, because it seems like it seems like that would be a benefit to that would be a benefit to affiliates like that. Yeah, it's just the the rights got so expensive that CBS had to take on a partner, or they would have lost the whole tournament to ESPN. What's fascinating, and I don't know if you've got any insight as to sort of some of your other, you know, equivalents in other markets. But do, do you have any sense as to why or if that is Nashville more fair weather interest as a sports market than other markets? Like, I'm assuming it's not Philadelphia or Dallas or New York or whatever. I get that. But it, it does feel at times, having worked in this city for 15 years, that, that Nashville is pretty fair weather about their interest levels. 
is is that normal? Is that abnormal? Are, are we below the mark? Like sort of what's your perspective based on think, what other markets deal with? Yeah, I, I think we're probably right there in the middle. I mean, you could clearly see, you know, in, in the beginning, the Titans numbers were huge, uh, you know, through through 08. And then they really tailed off and um, the numbers weren't, they were still good. I mean, it's still number one show every week, right? But, you know, nowhere near the the numbers we're getting now for for Titans. And, they, you know, they've gone up the last couple of years as the team's gotten better. And But, you know, I'd... You know, I, I think you could say, yeah, we are a bit of a fair weather city. I mean, because you could see that interest in the Predators in terms of the playoff ratings has waned. They certainly have waned for Tennessee. I mean, you could you still be able to guarantee like almost a 20 rating on a on a Tennessee Volunteers football game. And now, you know, it's more like a 12 rating, 13. Which um, was which was great because you were getting that you're getting Tennessee on the on the big CBS package three, yeah. four times a season. Yeah, I mean, in the year they went all the way. Um, I think t- CBS had them seven times that year. So <laughs> wow, that was really great. <laughs> and now, you know, the sad thing is we lose that package uh, to ESPN, and I guess what is it, three years? I guess so. That's going to really suck. <laughs> I, <did> not, <laughs> I mean, I don't be running Clint Eastwood movies on Saturday afternoon. I don't know. <laughs> that that was, I mean, that was arguably the most, you know, lucrative and or undervalued commodity in all of sports, right? For for yeah. almost a decade. Oh my God, it was the best deal going. I mean, now if you ask my TV stations in Montana, it's not so great. But obviously, if you're a Southeast CBS <laughs> station, it's it's the best deal going. And you're you're right. What they paid for those rights is nothing compared to what rights fees are going for now. It's is only there- shocking that that deal was done, and when you think about it. Yeah, for as long as it was done for. Is there a tipping point on those ratings fees that leagues are paying for all these, you know, that, that these networks are paying for all these leagues? You know, they I think they almost have to pay it because it's you know the one thing you can count on is, well, especially for football. I mean, for NFL football, you almost have to pay what they're asking. I mean, because it's the one you know what do they say? Death and taxes. Death taxes in NFL football. I mean, you know, you're going to get a delivery. And you're going to get men who'd never watch your TV station otherwise, right? I'm not sure it's worth it for a lot of the other sports. You know, it's it's hard. But, you know, the harder thing now is is we're now going to start competing. And we already are with Amazon and Google and, and all these guys, Netflix, who have money to burn. It, so that's, that's going to be interesting in the next NFL. I guess when the next NFL contract comes up is who are the players, you know, and ABC, Disney's already making waves that they want to have more of a presence on ABC. And then, you know, what does Amazon and Netflix and Google and all these guys do? I think ABC wants to take the Monday night package back to the back to the broadcast network. Again, yeah, it was interesting that they did three Monday night games on a- ABC this past year. You know, they simulcast them. Well, to, well, to your point, uh, you know, sp- live sports are the guaranteed draw and, and particularly the NFL what else do you have out there that's not kind of a crapshoot programming wise? There's not, if we went back and looked at the, uh, looked at the ratings, the primetime ratings from say 20 years ago, if we took spots 45 through 75 and, and just looked at their raw ratings, I mean, you'd be thrilled with some of those numbers oh, yeah. right now. Simply yeah. because the, the, the loss of the loss of viewers, you know, in that, in that, in that primetime space. It's just I'm I'm actually surprised that they're not trying to that they're not trying to figure out more ways to put live sports in prime time. You're right. You're right. I mean, it's it is is interesting to see just how ratings have just shrunk every year in prime time, and we're our, we're to some extent our own worst enemies because you know you can you don't have to watch Channel Five last night to watch NCIS. You could watch it on, you know, you could watch it today on CBS.com, or there's so many other ways to watch these shows. You know, some of these sitcoms run so often on uh, like TBS. I mean, they're they're the older episodes, but if you're like a Big Bang Theory fan, there's like 42 places to watch Big Bang Theory. It feels like. (laughs) If I'm a a station like yours, what's the the... days of the days of Dallas getting 30 ratings (laughs) is is long gone. Well, or I mean, you'll never see a mash number, a mash finale number again. There's not the there's not enough common eyeballs in one place uh, yeah. to to ever sort of see see that kind of event program. Well, well, let me ask you though, because Game of Thrones 
seemed to, I don't remember what the number was, but I want to say, like, I'm just guessing here, it was like 18 million people or something like that watched the season finale of Game of Thrones. Is that just a once in a 10 year kind of thing that we've got a show like that, 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 that tra- attracts people? Or is that something that can be replicated? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just that that's that show is just, you know, water cooler talk for years and it just seemed to grow every year. But I mean, it, it's HBO. And and so, you know, in that universe, that's a huge number. But I don't know if, you know, what it was. I don't know what the over the air number like. I don't know how many rating points that translated to in, in a Nielsen rating, you know. Yeah, it's I mean, even like the Big Bang Theory finale of, like two years ago was a good number, but it was, you know, far from anything we're talking about. You know, the big numbers over the last 20, 30 years have been like Oprah's interview with uh, Michael Jackson. And I remember the ratings we got back in the 94 Olympics for, you know, the Tanya and Nancy drama. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, they were, they were airing, they were airing like the practice uh, sessions for that on the, on the network. Because yeah. because people wanted to see the two of them so much. You know, Friends finale, Seinfeld finale, those were all huge numbers we just don't see anymore. So it, it's hard. I mean, you know, NCIS, Big Bang used to get really big numbers. I mean, last night for a new episode of NCIS, I think we did a nine rating, you know, which three years ago would have been the lowest rating we ever got for NCIS, you know. Interesting. Times. If I'm uh, as a local news consumer here, what what are we going to see more of? I, I think you guys you have an app out, and I can go to it through Roku or or, or directly through that. Do you think that that is going to is going to continue, and we're going to just see this greater and greater fragmentation? Yeah, no no question about it. I mean, Scripps, who um, you know owns Channel Five, you own stations in fifty markets. I mean, they're doing a lot of investment into OTT products like that, and you know. I'm an old dog. So a lot of that goes right over my head. You know, let me manage the broadcast side of things. Um, But yeah, you're going to see a lot more of that and a lot more, you know, just niche channels and that kind of thing going forward. Yeah. Just, I just want like a grand old Opry channel that I can watch. Just that, that's what I want. (laughs) Yeah. Mark, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. Uh, It's a, it's an interesting world that you operate in we do appreciate the, the the ratings that you send out all the time and we'll be looking forward to getting those back again thank you this up, was fun coming up in march I lo- so. love my dining room uh, cabinet here <laughs> i mean uh, you know i love i love seeing a good hutch yeah. i love <laughs> my wife will probably say you showed him our hutch that's not nice <laughs> you can't thank walk you, around you can't walk around flaunting your hutch to just whoever you know it's just it's a special <laughs> thing mark thank you so much man we do You're appreciate welcome. it bud bye-bye Special thanks to Mark Binda there from News Channel 5 for joining us. And, and I hope people enjoyed that conversation, sort of a, a nuts and bolts look at how the TV ratings work, but also how sports have evolved in, in this Nashville market over time. And Super Bowls, of course, being basically the you know, like the, the 23 most watched programs in the history of Nashville television, <laughs> of course. You know, the most interesting thing for me, Binda is, has been inside these numbers for years. And the, the most interesting thing for me is that here's a guy who char, you know helps chart, chart the course of his station and other stations based on those numbers. And they don't know kind of, and it's always been imperfect, but, but they don't know what the numbers truly are. The fact that they don't know those numbers and in, in this year in a COVID situation where the numbers are going to fluctuate wildly more than they yeah. ever did. I just don't think we're ever really going to know what that Super Bowl number is. Yeah. One of the big takeaways, and you know, Mark did an excellent job of explaining it. I, I'd be happy to explain it further in radio. It's just, it's such an inexact science. All you have to know is that in 1997, we were asking people to write things down on a piece of paper to try to figure out ratings. <laughs> You're listening I was given one podcast. of those Arbitron books one time to do, to do for radio. And all you end up doing is picking your favorites and making yeah. sure that you yeah. write your favorites down. And then, you know, oh, I also had the radio on for X or Y. So, so here's, here's the thing with radio. The, the PPN, the, the people meter or whatever, it, does, it picks up a frequency from every single station. So it does know exactly how long you're listening to, however much you're listening to, and, which, and what you're listening to. So that's a better science, a better technology. The problem is there are a thousand of them in the, the greater Nashville market, which a long, long time ago that they put a thousand of those into the market, we have vastly outgrown that. So in theory, one person changing their listening habits could could drastically change 
the entire rating book for any given channel. And right. so it's just completely flawed. There needs to be 50,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 of these meters. And there's also, you have to be listening for five minutes in a quarter hour for five consecutive minutes before you get credit. If someone listens for four and a half minutes to your show and then turns to another channel, you don't get a rating point out of that thing. So the whole thing is just... Well, and and the and the other layer in that too is sort of the is sort of big tech and like for instance when you sign it when you sign up for a service like YouTube TV or Hulu Live or whatever else I mean there, there's an opt in opt out down in your settings for whether or not you want your stuff recorded for Nielsen purposes and so the, they they know what deodorant brand you're using every morning they, they they know they know so much about you yep. anyway. And they know exactly what your habits are. I mean, there are people out there with with varying levels of information, and I, and it makes me I feel for Benda because you know they're on the receiving end of all that as a broadcast as the uh, a broadcast station here in Nashville and trying to program for all that with all of these sort of eventualities, you know, and they're they're sort of serving that market, but they're also serving other markets. And it is an increasingly, and we've heard this from from Steve Lehman and and from others who work in broadcast. They're having an increasingly harder time to, trying to find their audience and trying to trying yeah. to nail down exactly who and what they can reach on a consistent basis. You know, he, he said that Nashville was sort of in the middle as it pertains to being fair weather. I, I think that's, you know, when teams are bad and they suck, people don't watch. I think that's sort of the case uh, across the board with the exception of a few diehard markets out there. Um, but I did find it interesting that NASCAR was the thing he went to first for 20 years ago. What was really big? What pulled big numbers? And as he, he mentioned, the drivers changing, but I also I think it's far more than that. I don't I don't know if it's just the sport itself, the the, the number of cookie cutter tracks and and making every weekend the same to some degree. Like I don't know, that one is hard to explain. Like I just I and I'm the I'm the guy. Like I used to watch NASCAR all the time. I loved racing. I grew up loving NASCAR and open wheel racing, and I just and, don't have the time to watch. I don't know if it just and the bro the broadcast the is actually significantly better now than it's ever been. I mean, I, I watched a couple of races last year with like the ability to show, to pinpoint things on the track and show distances and speeds and, and, and whatever it is. It is more precise now than it has ever been. You're, you're doing live in game interviews with the athlete in real time, right? That doesn't happen in any other sport. Yeah. Like, You'll, be, you'll have a guy out there warming up his tires during a caution lap saying, you know, talking back to the booth on live television. And so I don't, I, that one's hard for me to understand, but I'm not surprised that it was that big behind the NFL in Nashville. Obviously, college football, UT and Alabama have sort of flip-flopped, which makes sense because of how good they both were. I, I think the fact that baseball has never been a big draw in this city, there's obviously no team, but that we are in the middle of this, hey, let's bring that baseball to Nashville thing. And outside of a few playoff games, People aren't watching a lot of baseball in this town. Well, the hook and the hook when 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 I was a kid here was was the affiliate. The sounds were a Yankees affiliate and they were a Reds affiliate and different. Le I mean, a, a lot of really great players came through here and played at a really high level. And like like if you look at that, I forget what what year it was, like the 89 or 90 Reds team that won the World Series kind of improbably. A bunch of that lineup came through Nashville, and you still had those connections, and you still had, you still had uh, Nashville, Nashville people going up to Cincinnati for Reds games and, and that sort of thing. I was going to say, since Cincinnati is one of the three or four teams that would call Nashville a, a quote unquote home right. home market, maybe. I mean, the Braves obviously. I mean, there's right. probably more Braves uh, here, and and that has as much to do with the Braves being big throughout the South in the '90s, Cardinals uh, as anything else. There's always going to be Cardinals fans here. They're always going to tell you about it. They're always <laughs> going to let you know that they are the best fan, baseball fans in Nashville. So, I mean, I mean, and basically, basically they're going to, they, they, they're the best fans in baseball and, 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 you know, you, everybody should know that. Yes. The Dan Mullen of baseball fans. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we hope you appreciate that conversation and we'll continue to see how this evolves. Um, you know, you don't have a cable box and, you know, we, people are having a tough time watching Preds games right now and they're rebranding and the team sucks. So we'll just keep keep an eye on all this stuff. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Recommendations real quickly here, Steve. Uh, I'll go first because this is going to really lighten the mood here. I think Madagascar is one of the best kids movies ever. Now, it helps that it had Chris Rock and 
sure. you know, David Schwimmer and <laughs> Ben Stiller and you know I think it's Queen Latifah. They're just huge cast, huge cast. But the spinoffs have been spectacular. There is a show that has won Emmys on Netflix, produced by Netflix, called King Julian, who is the I think the funniest character in the movie, who's the the king of the lemurs. And I watch it with my kids, but it is an adult. Like you can, you will laugh. My wife and I laugh out loud watching every episode. Our kids like it and we do not let them watch episodes without us. So if you need something that is a palate cleanse, Ted Lasso, Schitt's Creek type of deal, but you can watch it with the kids, King Julian on Netflix, fantastic, very light, very funny. On the other end of the spectrum, (laughs) if you need a really gritty cop show... (laughs) suicide (laughs) uh you should check out bosch on amazon prime i was late to bosch it's a i think they i think it launched in 2014 or 2015 it's based on a series of michael connelly uh novels about this la detective it's a it's a pretty low ask Uh, it's not like you're you're getting into not like you're going back and picking up lost where you have like 22 episodes a season it's a 10 episode season it's a really good cast there's a lot of that guys in the cast that you have seen in other things and and the the faces are going to be familiar there's a couple there are there are two actors in particular uh the one who plays the deputy chief of police and the one who plays Bosch's partner are both very prominent wire characters oh i'm in then sign me up yeah. but the the thing that makes it so good is is the writing and the dialogue is is very crisp it's not cliched hard to do in a cop show particularly in a you know a cop who has his own personal demons and blah 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 i mean the the premise of this could have been uh, could have taken this in some really schlocky directions the acting and the writing take uh, are are so well done and if you if you are a fan of cinematography if you if you like great visuals in a series probably the best looking show on television they shoot la in some great ways you're never just in the squad room you're never just in uh you know in an interrogation room they sh- they use la as a character it- it's it- it's really good titus willover is the is the lead actor you've you will recognize him from other stuff he is fantastic absolutely fantastic marlo stanfield and lieutenant daniels are in are in this show I on the some, wire yeah i did some digging there you go lieutenant daniels but, very good Pe- uh, Peaky, Bosch on amazon prime peaky blinders seems to be having a moment and everybody's catching up on that we just watched that and that's that'll give you five good seasons and now yep. they're wrapped they're actually taping the sixth season i think as we speak so i think that's um, the uh, is that the last one i think i, th- I think so yeah yeah uh, thomas yeah. shelby uh all right man uh always a pleasure uh of course special thanks to jaspers the wonderful folks over on west end that will serve you the gold standard cocktail which is whiskey based on our Predators podcast. We don't have a lame string cocktail yet, but we're working on it. Elevated bar food, free parking, 9,000 square feet to socially distance, good place to watch the game, even in these crazy times. It is, they, they've done everything uh, really, really well. The menu is fantastic. You are, you know, you go, you go to your average sports bar and go eat some crap food. This is not that at all, folks. This is much, much better food, much better cocktails. And have we talked about the parking lot? It's free. Right there. It's, it's literally attached to the building. It's unlike, calling you right now. Unlike, unlike anything else in the entire city, there's a parking <laughs> lot attached to the building, and it's free. Jaspers on West End. Jaspers! Go check them out. My name's Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name's Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. Thank you guys all for listening. Thanks to Mark Binda as well. We will be back next week. Please rate, review, subscribe, share the show. We do appreciate it. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.